This episode of Weight Inclusive Innovators is brought to you by WIND, Weight Inclusive Nutrition and Dietetics. Is your five-year CEU cycle coming to an end? Are you tired of having to get so much of your continuing education from weight-centric trainings? Listen up because WIND has what you're looking for. Register now for the virtual WIND Symposium and access the webinars at the end of April. This is an accessible learning opportunity. Watch and listen from anywhere on your own time. You'll hear and learn from experts, activists, and educators about the future of weight-inclusive care and get to meet fellow weight-inclusive RDs. The Virtual WIND Symposium is in application for nine CEUs. Pair it with WIND's Foundation of Weight-Inclusive Care Workshop for over 20 CEUs total. Go to weightinclusivenutrition.com to get info about these events and more. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. I am technically flying solo today because Hannah is traveling through Mexico right now, but I'm not actually solo because today we have one of my dear friends, Kendall Cherry, on the pod to talk about email marketing and what the fuck to send your tiny ass email list. (laughs) Hi, I'm so excited. This is one of my I'd say this is probably my all-time favorite speaking topic, to be honest. (laughs) I love that so much because I- That's number one. So excited to hear about it. Kendall Cherry is the founder and creative director of The Candid Collective, and she's on a mission to create a world that's more candid and kind. Kendall and her team create copy and content for all kinds of businesses. She's written for multi-seven-figure software companies, media empires with 250,000-plus email lists and content creators- with 200 million plus followers and many other virtual service providers, all while sounding exactly like who she's writing for. Kendall, welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, We're going to get into this uh, on all the things. We can kind of go any direction with this. I love talking. Uh, For those of you listening, I love talking about all things marketing, but specifically authentic marketing. Uh, I am a service provider, but I really believe that the key for all founders, whether it's like product or service-based businesses, which most people listening to this are going to be service-based, like the key to finding people that actually like vibe with what you're doing is being your most authentic self. And so I have, I'll say I've kind of like cracked and hacked the code on how to do that in your marketing no matter where you show up on the internet. So super excited to break all of that down today and chat more, especially about email marketing, which is my, my number one favorite marketing channel. If I had to choose, I would, that would be my, my, the only one I would ever want to work on, honestly. Uh, Well, it's because you're really freaking good at it. And (laughs) as I'm sure if you've listened to any of the last like 
eight episodes, I'm pretty sure your name has been mentioned on all of them um, because <laughs> you and I are working together. You are yes. helping me writing my emails, specifically sales emails in a very authentic and like not super salesy way, which is exactly what I wanted and was the thing holding me back from growing my business because I hate writing emails like that. So, yeah, I hear this all the time. It's like this idea of, and I don't know if like, I sometimes think about it. I'm like, is this like a woman entrepreneur thing? Or is this just like a, like a nice kind of person thing? And it doesn't really matter if it's girls or boys or theys or anything else. Like, I think that the hard part when you have, I'll say like a mission driven brand, especially like a softer brand, something that's a lot more people-y than something like more, I'll say like more masculine leaning, that's like super direct or something like that. Like something that deals with like emotions, softness, human personalities, like the just general shit show of being a human. Like anytime you kind of get into those spaces, I I almost see in like my clients and especially in founders, like there's this stop that happens where you're like, it's almost like the question of like, is it ethical to sell as kind of like the big, I think you were to like look, peek behind everyone's layers. Everyone has a different block or whatever. But like the big question people ask is like, is it ethical to be selling this way? Like it, like for me, it's like, is it ethical for me to be like, I mean, a lot of my stuff is like inception. If you go to my Instagram page, like I'm technically selling my services in the style that I'm going to write your sales things. Like, I feel like I'm in inception. And the big question is like, is it ethical to sell that way? And the biggest thing that I've had to overcome is this idea that like, for you to serve people in general, but for you to serve people that fully are aligned with who you are and what you do and your values and what you can provide to them. Like for you to be able to serve other people, you have to sell to them, period. Like it just has to happen. Otherwise you're not going to make any money. And you and me and everybody listening, like we all have big dreams. We all have big goals. Most of the time, those things take resources and you can't work for free. You can, but like, I'm not running a nonprofit over here. I also like have a lifestyle and I have things that I need to be able to have in place to provide for me to be able to do more good in the world. So it's almost like, it's very, especially I'm sure there's like a lot of women on this, listening to this this podcast, but a lot of times it's like, you do truly have to fill up your cup first. It's like that same overused metaphor of like, put on your oxygen mask, but the same comes in the way that you create resources for yourself and then how you sell things to create those resources. Like I have to make sure my vitality, my like, like livelihood are taken care of so that I can be and help more people. So it's, it's the most interesting conundrum. I see most of my clients when they first start working with me, like that's the first thing we kind of work through of like, Oh, it is safe to sell and it's okay to be in service to other people and also sell that service. It's like this weird it's almost like the, like the first level of like, like really starting to amplify your business is getting that through your head and like feeling comfortable with that. And then that's when I noticed a lot of things start to kind of start flowing for the people that I work with. Totally. I, I remember going through that whenever we first started working together too, of like, reading. <laughs> I was like, Hey, can you write these sales emails for me? And you wrote them and I read them and I'm like, wait, like, this isn't even, this is like, I'm clearly promoting something, offering something, 
telling people. And it was kind of that aha moment of like, okay, like, yeah, like I literally have to sell something in order to make money and <laughs> I don't have to do that. And my favorite term that I learned from you in a bro marketing kind of way, mm. like, I can do it with compassion. I can do it. Um, because I, I like, I just, I know that the services I have can benefit others so much. And so like, mm-hmm. I fully believe that, but I also never want to like kind of force someone into like working with me in like a manipulative way. And like, I don't think I would ever come across that way, just like naturally who I am. And that's definitely something that I want to be very mindful of. And, uh, the emails that you wrote are so candid and kind. (laughs) Nice. Thanks for the plug. Um, I think the the thing to keep in mind, there's such an old style of marketing, which is this like bro marketing. It's manipulative. It's like preying on people's pain points. It's all of these types of things that the the value in this this style of copywriting, and there are tons of copywriters that write this way, arguably. I, I think I'm one of the better ones in the subtlety of it all, but there is a way to sell where one of my clients... Um, mentioned this the other day. She was, you know, we were on a kickoff call. She was like, I really just want my emails to feel like you get to the bottom of the email and it's so good. And it's so subtle. Like you're nodding your head. Yes. And then the sales pitch just kind of drops in and it's a no brainer because the, the thing is, and this is what I love about email marketing, but also just, I'll say like my style of marketing in general is this almost this idea, like bro marketing, the sleazy used car, car salesman stuff. Like that is so much, uh, based in scarcity. So the reason we feel so nasty about it is because they're preying on like, oh, you've only got one spot left and, you know, act now, cart's closing, hurry up, make your decision. And that scarcity is what kind of creates the ickiness that you feel. And we all feel it. You've definitely read something in the past or even from another online service provider, you know, whatever it is, you definitely read it and felt shitty after reading it. But the difference is, when you have kind of, I'll say like more, more of an authentic approach to marketing, you are playing the long game. So there is a a sense of like detachment to what it is that you're selling and knowing and standing in your power of like, Hey, I do have this thing to offer. The right people will come at the right time. In the meantime, I'm going to let everyone, you know, get on board, nod their heads. And then they get the power and the decision of like, is it the right time for me versus you kind of forcing that timeline on them. And what it does, that kind of philosophy behind everything, you're still going to get people who convert. Like Morgan's had some crazy metrics. I just had another (laughs) client this week. She was like, our friend, Michelle, who Morgan actually referred to me, literally sent two emails to her list. She sold out through April, but it's mid-April. Like she sold out. She sent two emails to a ghosted email list, y'all. Like that's fucking nuts. So the thing is, the thing is like when you're in the authenticity, when it comes to marketing, it's more of this idea that there's going to be people that are ready now. Once you turn up and amp up the volume on your message and your offers, there's going to be people that are ready now, but what you're also doing by switching the, the strategy and the philosophy behind the way that you're marketing is you're also creating this like trust bank for people in the long term. So it's it compounds. So this month, right now in April, yes, you're going to have people signing on. But what you're also doing is like not everyone may be ready for April, but they're going to be ready in March and May. And then there's going to be people ready in June. So by switching the style of that up, and it does take some detachment, it is definitely like a more, 
I am a very woo person. We, pro- I don't know if we'll go yes. there quite on this yes, podcast, we but can't. <laughs> I, I am definitely woo, but it takes like some detachment and openness to there are thousands and thousands of clients around me at all times. When I switch my intention behind the way that I'm marketing, what it does is it opens up way more capacity for other people to become attracted into what it is that I'm doing. And you get, I mean, I don't know if you've experienced this, this has been my story and many of my clients' stories where the people you also call in because you're in your authenticity, the the clients are better. The clients are honestly half the time I told my coaches, I was like, all my clients are like my actual friends and I have to set boundaries because I'm a business. But I'm like, there's a point in time when like, your clients become people that like, they're so on the same wavelength as you mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to be like best friends forever and like buy friendship bracelets or whatever, but like, you're <laughs> definitely, it's a different, it's a different exchange than red flag clients that are like, Oh my God, I'm dreading every hour. I'm on the phone with them. They yeah. never pay me on time. Like yeah. this is terrible. Thinking- they're draining my energy. I'm thinking of how many times, because most people listening are therapists, dietitians, and I can't tell you how many times I've talked to someone. They're like, oh, if this person wasn't my client, like I would be friends with them in real life. And it's like, those are the people to check. Obviously there's like super professional boundaries around like that specifically, (laughs) but, um, but I think it's, it's very like comparable to, to exactly what you're talking about. Totally. Okay. To get into, so, so the, I'm, my brain's going in like kind of two different directions. And I, if we have time, you, you, you put me in wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yes. Put me okay. where you want to go. So we talked about kind of this like ethical, softer type of marketing. But what I really want to talk about today is the email marketing side of things. Yep. And then at the end, I want to touch about how the copywriting for email marketing can be repurposed, but we'll get there. Okay. Okay. Great, great, great. Email marketing. I talk to so many people kind of as a marketing person in the weight inclusive business space and everyone's like, yeah, I should probably have an email list, but why does someone need an email list and how do you get people on your email list? Okay. Rolling up my sleeves, not to scare anybody, but I'm about to scare y'all. Not really, but Um, this is why the fuck you need an email list. Okay. So does anybody remember vine when vine was on the, on the, the, you know, in the universe, it was one of our favorite apps back in the day. Yeah. What happened to vine, uh, and is why there's several, several reasons. Um, one of the first ones, again, this might be a little scaremongering, but I see this happen all the time is what happened with vine is pretty much overnight. Everyone is investing all this time, all these videos, all this content into the social media platform. All of these creators were putting their stuff out there. Similar to if you're on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, and you're using it to market your services. And they're using this as their primary way to market their business. The problem is Vine basically disappeared overnight. People woke up and the app was basically gone. And what it does, and this is what we run the risk with, especially with like meta owning Instagram and Facebook, um, is when you start to use that as your only source of finding leads, finding clients, those are where all your you know DMs are, et cetera. Bullet point one is if Instagram, if LinkedIn, if Facebook goes down tomorrow, you lose everything overnight. You have no control of it you lose your DMs, you lose your followers, you lose the content that you spent all those hours making. If you haven't posted it anywhere else or have an archive, like in an Airtable or a Google Drive, it's gone. 
So that's bullet point number one. One thing that I see that I don't see enough people getting worried about or freaked out about, how many times have you seen someone say, oh my God, my account is hacked. Oh my God, my account is hacked. So I can't get in. I've lost everything. I think it's one of those things that people kind of don't think of as being something that can happen to them. It's never out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. It be like, Oh, that would never happen to me. I don't have a big enough following. I don't, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I have had, I have, I literally, I know someone who knows someone that this happens to. There is a girl that one of my friends, it was her coach. It's not even like, you know, somebody just starting out. It is a coach who is well-established the way this coach's business model runs is she does two launches a year. Those two launches are like 90% of her income. She does all of the launches on Instagram. Well, what happened was she uses Instagram. She keeps, you know, she has a lead tracker. She keeps track of everyone's DMs. She's following up with them in the off season. She's got warm leads on Instagram primarily, not using email, not using LinkedIn, not using any other social media. What happens is two weeks before her course which is how she makes all of her income. It's like a course slash group program. So it's higher ticket. And it's again, 90% of her revenue, which is she's got a team. She's got her salary. You can imagine how much money this thing is pulling in. Two weeks before she finds out that someone has hacked her account. She cannot get in. Her password has been stolen. She's trying to get a hold of Instagram. They can't do anything about it. She's fucked. Which means two weeks before her launch, 90% of her revenue comes from this. She loses everything and she has no other way to pivot and make money, which is, again, her staff's salary, her salary, her tax money, all of the things. It's gone. So that is like bullet point number two. Bullet point number three is when it comes to social media, the reason I don't like it and what it's exhausting. If you're creating reels all the time, like it takes a ton of time. That's like bullet point number three is it takes a lot of time and energy to create content specifically for one app. So if you're doing like a reels only or TikTok only, you can do some repurposing, but it also does take a ton of time. The other thing about it is for me, there's all of these algorithms where it doesn't make sense that you spend all of this energy, all of this time creating content for one platform, even if you're repurposing it versus having a list of people who are already qualified. They like what it is that you're doing. Then some way, shape or form, they've opted in. Email has no algorithm. You have 500 people on your list. 500 people get the email. You have 20 people on your list. 20 people get the email. Your job is making the content interesting so that their your open rate is higher. But why, why is it? I think I have, let's say if I had a thousand followers, Instagram is going to show it to 10% of my people. That's a hundred people. If I had a thousand people on my email list and Instagram's or sorry, if I have a thousand people on my email list and 60% of those people are opening it or 50%, that's 500 people. That to me is way, way. I would rather have 500 people reading my stuff where I'm selling than a hundred. And it's something, I mean, this happened to me just last week. You can't predict the algorithm. You just can't. And even even like TikTok's biggest creators, Instagram's biggest creators, if you ever watch them in interviews asking, or they'll be asked, like, how do you hack the algorithm? They're like, I don't know. I don't know. These are TikToks and Instagram's biggest creators have no idea 
how things are popping off and how things aren't. They'll even sometimes share like it performed really great on Instagram, but really shitty on TikTok. And I see this all the time too. I had a post last week, Instagram showed it. I think I have like 1500 followers. Instagram showed it to 40 people, 40 people. I have 1500 followers. So obviously I think I got like two likes. It was a great post. That's on Instagram. I circulate my content in Facebook groups. That shit popped off. I had like 18 comments from people, strangers that are looking at my content. And it's the exact same post, a literal copy paste job, same photo, same caption, did not change a thing. So to me, it's when it comes to social media, it's so unpredictable with the algorithm. Email is when you double down on it, that is where the people who are already qualified with what it is that you do there, it's just a better, more efficient use of your energy. You can go do the social media thing, but half the time, even if you got 10,000 followers, realistically, you're talking about maybe a thousand active people that actually see your stuff, maybe, and that's being generous. So I think I would rather just have quality people in my audience than quantity of people is generally what I say. So those are my four sub, those are my four, four bullet points. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And one of my, I, like, I uh, remember the first time that you ever talked about working with a tiny ass email list because mm. everything I had heard prior to this was me and my 5,000 people on my email list, my 10,000 people on my email list. And I, I think at the time I was like, okay, yeah, me and my like 250 people. And I was really proud of those 250 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like because I didn't have thousands of people on my list, like what's the point of me even doing this? If it's not reaching totally. more, like instead of spending time nurturing those, I need to create, I need to spend more time creating more lead magnets to get people onto my email list and create more freebies to get people onto my email list. And then you talked about a tiny email list. And I was like, okay, yeah. tell me more about that. Yeah. So the thing for me and okay. So I am a copywriter. I'm in marketing. Like I get that. And I've always been intrigued by email because I don't enjoy social media. I actually don't do any reels now. I have like sworn them off. I, and we can talk about that in a little bit if you want to, but I just do not use reels in my business. I do not do short form video content. I'm an introvert. I'm very, very, very zipped up about where I spend my energy and my social battery. So I do not enjoy doing reels, but the thing for me has been with a tiny ass email list there is kind of a caveat on like, yes, I am a copywriter, but I also really struggled for probably the first two years to understand marketing. And I really don't feel like I, I feel I hit my three-year anniversary in December of last, in December of 2022. And that is when I really felt like something shifted in my marketing where I was like, oh, I fucking get it now. But before that I was really struggling and I went to school for this stuff. So it, there's still some elements of kind of trial and error. But for me, when it comes to the tiny ass email list, my story, even what, like I was a coach and consultant when I first started, you know, working and, you know, had my own business. When I became a copywriter, my first year, my first 12 months as a copywriter, I hit six figures in revenue. And other than referrals, the majority of my clients were coming from my email list because I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to test out repurposing 
you know, I've heard some, some stuff and there's a creator, she's a watercolor artist and course creator called Jenna Rainey. And she's, you know, I'd kind of been paying attention to her and her business and how she'd started everything. So I kind of like got the email thing. So I knew to at least try it out. And then I started seeing like all of this growth coming from a really small email list. And my email list now is still only about 300 to I think like 350, maybe like my email list is still very, very small, but I also know that that is where the, like other than referrals, that is where the majority of my people come from. Cause what tends to happen, someone finds me on Instagram. They want to like come even more into my world. And then once they do, you know, we have an email welcome series that gets sent out that tells them about me. I have an email newsletter on Fridays called wallflower Fridays where I'm I'm a writer also. So I just kind of like reflect on the world, but then I also send these salesy emails that are similar to the style that I write for Morgan. And what I found is even with my tiny ass email list of 300 people, which most people very similar to Morgan would think, mm-hmm. you know, no way there's, there's no way this creates revenue that that has just never been the case for me and has never been the case for my clients either. Like I think the industry standard is they say one to 3% of your email audience will convert is what they say. So there's sometimes I'm at like 10%, which is way, way, way higher. And the same, same for open rates. I think like industry average is like 18 to 20%. I'm usually around 50%. You're probably same. higher if I had to guess. Yeah. My, yeah, one of my clients like was at 65% usually. That's fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, <laughs> which, so the thing, the thing is like, and I kind of, tell my clients this a lot. Cause they're like, Oh, I, a lot of them will, when they first start working with me, they're like crunching numbers. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, well I need to make X amount of money. So if I need to make X amount of money my audience size has to be this size. And it's the same shit we've all seen in these courses and stuff where I'm like, okay, well all my, all my results don't make sense on paper, but I've also replicated them within my clients' businesses. So something's working. Um, whatever these other gurus are trying to teach you and the course that you paid for is probably just like you know, marketing stuff, but there, there is a way to make it work. You do have to have the right foundations in place. So I will say that, but when the, when you tweak and have the foundation and the ecosystem set up and the content is good, I've had clients convert with 20 people on their email list, like in like high ticket, $5,000 packages with 20 people. It literally doesn't matter how big the audience size is. What matters is if the people on there are qualified and the kind of people you want to be working with. Yeah. One of the things that I, if I had to bet money, I probably heard it from you is about how (laughs) there was, there was one point where like people, it was, Oh, I think it was, might've been like the first time that I like sent an email after having like ghosted my list. Like, Ooh, let's talk about this. (laughs) And I remember like sending that first email. And I think it was before I worked with you and so many people unsubscribed. And I was like, mm. what good just happened? Like, yes. And then, and I, this is where I think I heard it from you. I was like, good. They're not going to interact with me, buy from me, work with me anyway. So I don't even want them on my email list yeah. anymore. I see this. I literally just had this happen <laughs> with a client this week. It's very I feel like I'm like the ghosted email list lady. It's like one of my other, I have many monikers. It's like tiny ass email list, how to monetize a small audience and like what to do after you've ghost, ghosted your email list. But I just had a client say the same thing where she was like, well, we were talking about her email welcome series. like how many days in between. And I was like, you need to do two days between every email. 
Um, and she was like, but I don't want to be spammy. Like, I don't, like, I don't want people to unsubscribe because I'm, they're spammy. And I'm like, your ideal person is going to see your name hit their inbox and, and click. Like I see Morgan's name. I click, I see Kendall's name. I click like that is the kind of user behavior we want to be happening. Anybody that's not in that boat or isn't into what you're talking about or anything like that, they're not going to buy anyway. And that's the thing to remember with any style of marketing, but especially email is the, at, with every email you send someone, you, it becomes very polarizing. Someone's either going to gravitate toward the side of like, oh my gosh, like Morgan's the coolest person ever. Like, I can't wait to work with her one day, whenever that day is, or they're going to be like, eh, this girl's like not my thing. And I'm not really into that. And the thing There's to too remember- many references about Lizzie McGuire and the princess diaries and <laughs> yeah, the which- movies we grew up on. <laughs> Yeah. If you don't want to live a fun and fulfilling life filled with joy and Disney channel, you know, you can get out, you can get out. <laughs> but, but the, the thing to remember here is like the, the style of marketing that I do, it's authentic marketing, but it's also attraction marketing. And the thing to keep in mind is it is just as important to attract people that you want to work with as it is to repel the people that don't want to work with you, because all of those people you're repelling are the red flag they're not going to get what you're about. They're going to think your process is silly or they're going to question why you do things or all of those. And there's a million different types of ways this can show up, but all that friction between, you know, the way that you do things or, you know, the things that you don't have in common that don't resonate, all of those things are going to be what causes them to want to not work with you. Either they're going to just unsubscribe or leave your world, or even if they did hire you on, like I've seen this before, and everyone's business is different, but like red flag clients for me look like, oh, well, if I invest X amount in emails and there, I can just see them with their calculators. If I invest X amount in emails, then that means you, you have to make me at least this amount of money every month. And I'm like, well, my style of marketing is a little more detached and woo. And that level of scarcity is my, my style doesn't work with people like that. It just doesn't work. Um, and it's not just like, Clearly my stuff gets results, but I also know people who are nickel and diming like that. And I've been there too, right? I've, I've been, I really need the return on investment in these things, like in this thing. It's such a holistic thing that I do that if someone is that like granular and just like, so in scarcity about it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've learned, and I'll, I'll include this in content that I write. Like I have a post coming out this week. That's like the top four traits that all of my most successful clients have in common. And I literally line out, this is what you better be like if you're going to work with me. And if you're not, it, I'm not telling them to, you know, see the door, but like, if it's something that it's kind of a, a test of like, oh, is this person, when they see this piece of content, does it resonate with them? Is that what they're about? And that's the thing to remember when it comes to unsubscribes, unfollows, uh, and even, even leads that dry up or like people who you, you know, maybe do it, did a discovery call or in this, you know, weight inclusive business space, maybe it's like an inquiry call, but like if someone doesn't show up or they end up not going with you or going with another person that is better. I know it doesn't feel great because you're like, Oh, I need the money or, you know, Oh, I want a, you know, this amount of clients on my practice or whatever it is. Like that is the short-term like loss, but the long-term gain is like, there's a space now available for someone who's even more aligned, which I know is hard when you're in it, but in the long term, it is better. It's much better to have like 
one month without the client than it is to have six months with a client. You're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I dread, I dread joining this zoom call every time, every time yeah. it's not worth it. Or like I've had clients where I'm like, oh my God, I'm writing for them. And I'm zapped the entire rest of the day. Like, I, I can't do that. I have other clients that also deserve me at my best. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to take on one red flag client just to make money or just to have a full practice or whatever. Cause like, it's not fair to my other clients as well. Like my, my clients deserve me at my best. I take care of my energy. Yep. It also in the sense of like the types of people that I work with. And so yeah, unsubscribes, unfollows, ghosted discovery calls, ghosted invoices and contracts, like all of that stuff is kind of like a blessing in disguise, even though I know it doesn't feel like it in the moment sometimes. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point. So I, I I'm envisioning kind of the, the audience on the, on the other end of this, um, there's kind of like two parts of their business. There's the part where they have a private practice, they're seeing clients, that's a little more tricky with email marketing because majority of email marketing platforms are not HIPAA compliant and they, you would have to mm. be HIPAA compliant in order to like work with the, your clients. But I'm yeah. thinking of, so, but, but I see this a lot of someone's like, I'm in private practice. It's going well. I want to like start honing, like, uh, like paring down on the number of clients I see, because I really want to create another offering, whether it's a course a webinar, a ebook, a regular book, a podcast, like whatever Mm. that is. And so even if like you're in private practice, your practice is full, can't really do a ton of email marketing with them anyway, unless they like randomly find you an opt-in to be on your list, then like, that's okay. But one thing I, I think where people get stuck up, like hung up on is what happens if they don't have anything to sell yet? Like what if they're kind of in this limbo phase Um, they should probably start growing their email list now as they're thinking mm-hmm. about like what they want to offer. What happens if they don't have anything to sell yet? Yeah. How do you recommend navigating that? Yeah. So as far as like growing a list or even just like marketing in general, like, uh, I would say starting and growing a list and nurturing that list without anything to sell quite yet. Yeah. I would say there's, there's a few different ways to do it. It depends on like the long term of what you're wanting the brand to be. So if you're wanting some form of like an education brand, you can always send out a, you know, some kind of like tip or, um, letter or something like that in the kind of educational space. The only thing I would say here is make sure that if you like, let's like, there's some people that are like, Oh, I'm, I run a practice. So I'm going to create an education brand for other practitioners. So there's kind of that route or, um, like my therapist does this, she does stuff specifically about friendships. So she obviously has a practice for therapy. It's not quite ED space, but it's therapy all, all the same. Um, but she does stuff specifically for friendship and she has like a product that she sells, but her content on the internet is all about friendships and her email list is all about friendships and it's tips and that kind of thing. The only thing I would say is if like, you probably have at least some idea of what you're wanting to do. You're, you're not going to be completely like, Oh, I'm going to do this one arm of the business. And it's going to completely change. Like 360, not at all the same. Like you probably have at a high level, an idea of what the vision is. You just don't necessarily have the steps. So what I would say is if you have the vision, 
for like the big vision of what it's going to be. Think about the types of content that are going to attract the types of people in that you want to have. So again, if it's, you're having, you know, how to run a more efficient practice, for example, you're going to try and attract in through your content, um, different ways and different types of content for somebody that would need that style of support. If it's a specific, like maybe it's something specific in the eating disorder space, like my therapist does friendship stuff. Like maybe there's a topic that's really important to you that, you know, you really get fired up about. Um, You can also create content about that in the meantime, regardless, like it could be um, like tips and that kind of thing. If it's educational, it could be telling stories. It could be like your own experience, obviously like HIPAA compliant, but you could do stuff like that in the meantime. The the key is to never lose sight of, if you think of it this way, if, if eventually you're going to create some kind of paid product, you want everybody in your audience to resonate with what that paid product is going to be. So if you're, if you're kind of milling about and you've got a bunch of random people that don't really go together and you can't really figure out the through line, if you have a bunch of random people in your audience, when it's time to sell the big thing, whatever it is, there's, there, you're going to not have as many qualified people. So kind of figure out what, you know, that big vision is, what are the kinds of things that the people that would want to invest in that would be interested in? What would they want to learn? What would they want to read about? What would they want to hear? Um, that kind of thing. And everyone's, you know, path is going to be a little bit different, but that, that is like the biggest piece of advice I have is like, just start from like the macro, like what, what, what area, like what topics do you think this product is going to be about or this program or whatever it is, and then kind of back into it. Well, if, if I'm selling something about, um, I don't, I don't even know. Like, again, we'll use my therapist. Like if I want to, if I want to talk about friendships, and, and I don't know what the, you know, if it's going to be a program or a workshop or a product, if I know that I want to talk about friendships, I'm going to make all of my content be about friendships. So she'll talk about like how to make friends in a new city, what to do about friendship breakups, what to do when your friend has a baby, like all of these different topics on Instagram, on TikTok, and then on her email list that kind of hit on all of those areas until eventually she's ready to create the product or create the program. So that's the kind of the biggest piece of advice I would say is just make sure, you know, have, have the big vision. And it doesn't mean you have to have the offer outlined. It doesn't mean you have to have anything built. You're going to know, like the first two things that come to you are probably pretty dang close. The wrapper around the vision is going to maybe look different, but the actual like intention and value system behind the product, probably not going to change much. So that's what I would say for that. And then would you recommend having just kind of like a, at least the advice that I've always been told is like, don't have a general, like join my newsletter. Yeah. Don't do that. Often. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No one cares about your newsletter. It's Um, empty space on your page. Yeah. Sorry guys. Nobody cares. Tough love. Yeah. I'm a writer and nobody gives a shit that I like write on Fridays about my life. Like nobody cares. Yeah. So the alternative to that would be having some sort of lead magnet freebie, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So something, and something I'll say here is I see a lot of creators who think similar to what you mentioned, like I have to have 30 lead magnets or I've got to try five different ones or whatever. You really don't spoiler. You don't. Um, 
half the time, like, I think people are over, like, are overthinking this whole like lead magnet thing. I have one, I haven't premiered it yet, but I have one, um, I write podcast pitches for people and basically I have a, a lead magnet that is a video of like, Hey, it's a loom video. It is literally a link to a loom video. It is nothing fancy. It is a video of me describing, Hey, here's how I find guests or here's how I found find podcasts for me to pitch myself to be on. And also here's how my, how my team and I track all of the different podcasts that we're pitching. Here's how easy it is to pitch yourself to be on podcasts. And it's just a link to a loom video, like depending on what it is that you want to do. Most of the time I find that any flavor of service provider, most of the time you can either quickly create some quick five, 10 minute video. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Record yourself in Loom, record yourself in Zoom. I've had people do private podcast episodes talking about different things like that for this space would maybe be a good one. There's a a website called Hello Audio that'll give you a private podcast feed um, for, I think for free. And my, if it's not for free, it's a few bucks a month, but you could host like a few episodes of like a meditation or talking through a couple topics. Um, also spreadsheets, like links to spreadsheets you've created as a template or like a li- like a resource list would also be a really interesting one. Like I'm, I'm considering doing one of those this year of like, cause there's just things that I personally recommend to people a lot. Like I do this membership called to be magnetic, which is more about like manifestation and spirituality. Like I seriously spend that link to people like at least once a week so like, wouldn't it just be easy if I had a list of like, read these books, do this membership. This is my mindset videos that I do. Like even a resource list or something like that um, would be great. But it, it again, it doesn't have to be this like 20 page long PDF, like that you create. And then like, I used to be like this too, where I was like, oh, I have to have a lead magnet and then, oh, only got two signups. So better make a new one. I've already like exhausted how many people I can get from that. I'm like, I get more people signing up to be on my email list just for getting my services guide to work with me than I've ever had from a lead magnet. So there, there are ways around, I'll say the like more traditional or old school approach to freebies and lead magnets. And you, there's like a 10 out of 10 chance you either have something lying around in your G drive right now that you could send, or that you could easily create in one page on Canva, make it a list of journal prompts, make it again, the resource list one is a, a huge one too, depending on what that big vision thing is that you want to create. But yeah, don't overthink the freebie. It's like, it's a non-revenue generating asset. So like, don't spend a ton of time on it. We don't want to spend time on things that make you money. (laughs) Great reminder. Great reminder. Um, One thing that... (laughs) It comes up for me a lot. So I'm going to ask this. Okay, great. We love it. comes up for more. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Love it. So I feel like I go through ebbs and flows of like really getting into the rhythm of writing and scheduling my content. And then I forget about it. Or it's mm. the thing that gets put on the back burner. Got a little hand slap from you via email a couple Whoopsies. weeks ago. It was so needed. It like kicked my ass back into gear with it. Um, but for the people who don't have you emailing them to remind them to schedule their emails yet, what is your magic trick for creating consistency when it comes to writing and actually like scheduling emails to your list? Totally. Okay. So I've got a few answers here. We're going to, it's going to feel like we're going all over the place, but it's all integrated. We're ready. Uh, so first things first, there's a lot of ladies on this podcast. 
this might be a little bit unexpected of an answer. I don't know if you'll, you'll be surprised by this one or not. I have synced my business to my cycle. We talk about that all the time on the podcast. Okay, good, 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 good. In alignment with it. Okay, good, good, good. Tell us more. Tell us more. Okay. So I have learned, (laughs) I have learned that when I'm in luteal phase, which I am in currently, I don't want to do shit. I mean, I want to sit on my bed. I am fighting the urge to not work today and just read my book. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to be on video. I know I have to do it, but I, I have a very limited amount of energy. I have decided to cancel all of my friend plans this week. And I am just going to be a little hermit girl. So I, I know this about myself. I know that when I'm in luteal or I'm like bleeding, I don't feel 10 out of 10. So I know that. I also know that if I'm in follicular, it doesn't happen so much for me when I'm ovulating, but I know for me when I'm in follicular, I will literally wake up without an alarm at 4 a.m. And I am ready to go. I am fucking going and I can go all day, which makes no sense because I I am usually like pretty conservative with how I like spend my energy. But when I'm in follicular, like I'll message my coach and be like, hey, um, just did like two weeks of content done. Ha <laughs> Like whoopsies. So I, I, I know at this point for me, because I write all of my own content right now. I used to have a team last year helping me, but I write all of my own content plus everything for all of my clients too. Um, so I know that about my cycle of, okay, this week follicular and ovulation, like I'm going to feel like creating and I'm going to know that when I'm in luteal, bleed not so much, but like luteal is always a challenge for me. I know that. And so what I try and do, I'll repurpose content that I already have. So like one I just did on my Instagram, nobody caught it. I had a carousel slide and it's, it was like how to elevate your ideal client avatar from like probably, I don't know, three months ago. All I did was create a new wrapper with a different title. And I reposted the rest of the slides and nobody knew. So I'll do that a lot where I'll like leverage content that I've already created on the like the weeks where I'm not feeling great. Um, but like my whole business is set up around cycle syncing. So I I only take kickoff calls two, two weeks out of the month when I'm in follicular and ovulating, when I'm high energy. So that that way I ha- I kind of know before every like downward turn, I know what content I need to be creating for myself, but also for my clients. Um I also have set things that I will do every single week. So the first one that has been really helpful uh, that my coach actually put me onto and that I've had other clients do that I think is secretly really successful is I have this set of Instagram slides. It's like my work with me slides. It's all about my services. It's probably like eight to 10 slides and talks about my different services. It's got testimonials or whatever, but I at minimum post those two times a week. So I know on stories, on stories, on On Instagram. So I'll know that whether or not I feel like showing up that day, I always have that on rotation marketing my business. So that is like the first one that happens. Email, we are repurposing emails to become social media content. So my, I have a virtual assistant, but she schedules that stuff out for me every week. So basically what happens is I write it in Airtable she pulls it and schedules it in Instagram, schedules it for LinkedIn, schedules it for emails. And she is the one that puts it into Facebook groups. But so 
even if like, like this week I'm, I haven't really felt like showing up in my business to like do a bunch of like heavy handed marketing. I know because of the way I I structured everything, it's getting repurposed to still show up in all the places where like, nobody would ever know that I feel this way. And then something else I am into human design. So I'm a projector in human design. I'm also a self-projected projector. So like my throat chakra is my like life force basically. So I'm, I, even though I don't want to do it, I know that when I just talk, it like attracts people into me. So this is the part where I'm like, I don't necessarily want to do it all the time, but like my coach and I came up as part of my marketing strategy. I talk, it's very hilarious. You can go check it out on Instagram stories if you want. Um, I discovered while I was traveling last year, you know, I'm talking, you know, face to camera in stories, just like talking about my day, but I have this segment, we'll call it a segment and it's just like tiny Mike. (laughs) So tiny Mike Kendall is basically, I just sit here and it's like, whatever's coming up sometimes. Like I, when we first started, I had like, okay, on Mondays, I'm going to talk about a client win on Tuesdays. I'm going to talk about the podcast on Wednesdays. I'm going to talk about the book I'm reading. And then now it's just kind of evolved into whatever the hell I want to talk about. And it's not always selling stuff. It's sometimes just like random shit about my life, but it's kind of my commitment to, okay, I know like today, all my stuff is scheduled for the rest of the week, minus my Friday email that I write where I'm like, okay, all I have to do today, turn on stories. I can talk for like a minute, two minutes, usually it ends up being like eight minutes because I get a little, a little long winded. Um, but that's all I have to do today. Everything else is scheduled, ready to go. So the the key is, I think, having the right kind of repurposing ecosystem in place so that you you have the, your kind of core content and then either you or your, someone on your team, if you have a VA, um, they can go in and schedule stuff out on your behalf. But that that is kind of the key to it, to where you're never not promoting yourself or you're never going too long without, uh, you know, not marketing your business, but it also doesn't require you to be the one hitting publish every time or like, Oh my God, I'm waiting. To, I, I have a lot of clients who, and I, I fall into this sometimes too. I need to listen to my own advice, but also I'm creating a lot of we content. So we I know, but do. I'm also like, I, I write a lot of content for other people. So I need to like also give myself some grace. Like, yeah, it's okay that I don't necessarily have all the creativities left for myself, but like some days, like I am writing it the day of and like sending it over to my VA. But I also know once I write that core concept, it's, I write it once it goes into the, all the other four or five places. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's really more like eight or nine places, but like, that's, that's the key is like knowing like, okay, I, I invested my time and energy for this one piece of content or like in Morgan's case, like I write Morgan's, you know, one piece of core content, but it's getting scheduled out and repurposed in all of the places. So that's that. I think the key to consistency is like, have figure out, and you can probably go back and look at like, oh, well, when I did these things, like those created leads for me, like another one is like going to in-person events, which I was so resistant to. Um, but I've had a lot of leads come through from in-person events too, to where I, I now know like, okay, I need to prioritize this in my calendar, you know, maybe go to two events a month, but that they're usually pretty fruitful for me. Um, but in the meantime, like having some kind of content repurposing system, even if it's one post or one email that gets, you know, swirled around to all of the different spaces on the internet, that's totally okay. But I think it's about um, having for you, like, 
identifying you, you don't need that much, right? I would say core, core kind of repurposing system that works for you. So you can show up in all the places, but you're really only, we're talking about one concept that's going to all the places. Um, and then maybe two other things. I think the Instagram slides are the easiest, um, the easiest. And then something else, like for me, it's tiny Mike for you. It could be an Instagram live or reaching out to three people that you had a conversation with in the last week. Like there's a lot of different ways to, to approach it, but I would say the best way to figure it out is kind of look back to the last five clients that came to you and figure out like what, where did they find you or how, like for me, a lot of it was like, Oh, well, I I've been following you for a long time. And like, I love your tiny mic stories. Mm -hmm. And then I got on your email list and that, you know, kind of figure out the path that they took to signing on or finding you and then use that to inform. Oh, like it's all really about simplifying what it is that you're doing. Cause it's so easy to get caught in the trap of like, Oh, I need to do all these different things. Just like focus in on like, you have the data. Where did those people come from? Focus there. And there's something that happens like when you just are able, it's kind of like, you know, putting the bumpers on when you're playing bowling, like mm-hmm. there, you're much more likely to get a strike when you've got kind of the bumpers in and you've got your energy tuned in to like the, the ways that have already proven to be successful. We just get distracted a lot by, oh, well, she's doing this. Or like, maybe I do need to start a podcast or all these other things yeah. that you know, are great marketing things, but half the time I think people just need, and I just saw this with a client this week, like she had like four or five offers. She was talking about it any given time. I was like, this is confusing. Like I'm confused. Are you confused? Like, how do you keep up, keep it up? So all we did was we gave her a core offer to talk about one time and all of her different stuff. And she was able to sell out in two weeks, two emails. So that's the thing too, is I think like, it's, it's going to feel weird, but it's okay to simplify what it is that you're putting out there marketing wise, or even like offers wise services wise too. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing all that. I love a good bumper bowling bumper analogy. It's one of my favorite <laughs> analogies to use too. So love that. Good. Um, okay. I have a handful of rapid fire questions for you before we close. Let's up. go. Ready? Let's go. I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if your business was an animal, what would it be? A lion. What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Uh, freedom. What is your morning routine to get ready for the day? Hey, well, it depends if I did it or not. <laughs> um, first things first. So I, I generally think I'm a lion and I live with two cats. They surprisingly have not shown up in this call and they normally are very uh, camera happy. Um, it's usually feed the cats, feed Kendall, drink a cup of coffee. And then I do some form of mindset work. So I do the, to be magnetic membership, which I highly recommend. Uh, I do EFT, EFT tapping a lot, um, drink water, kind of settle into my day. Um, usually my, my coach is in the UK as well. So realistically, I like literally woke up and I sent her a voice memo download the night before. So I usually wake up to see like what she's, you know, what wisdom she's gleaned on this in the Slack voice memos. But uh, to me, it's always kind of making sure food is a really important part of my just energy. So like, I really am cautious about like, okay, if I'm going to like for this, for example, it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do a podcast interview, I know I need fuel. So I'm always making sure I have food first, Uh, water also caffeine sometimes, but 
making sure like my tank is full um, and, and making sure before I write anything, like my mindset is good. Cause it's also, I, I, for me to care for other people and serve other people or write other, you know, my content or whatever, I just know that my energy needs to be like, my clients deserve me at peak energy and I won't write if I'm not at peak energy. So that's why the mindset comes first, the food, the water, uh, and then it always pours out in the work that I do. Okay. That was not a, that was not a rapid fire, but it's important. It's <laughs> great. If okay. you had $10,000 handed to you today to spend on your business, how would you spend it? I would hire a woman who runs a book agency to copy edit and self-publish my personal memoir that I'm working on right now. Love. What is the hardest decision that you've had to make in your business? Uh, I closed my rapidly scaling, highly profitable marketing agency and multi six figures in November to go back to being a solo copywriter. What is your least favorite task that you've happily outsourced? Uh, well, this week it was my client onboarding process. <laughs> what Morgan and I were talking before this call is like, I literally, it wasn't a meltdown. My coach, I wasn't Ludiol, but my coach was like, you sound kind of prickly. I was like, yeah, I don't fucking know anything about this stuff. My brain almost exploded from like process stuff. So client, I just told my, my VA slash OBM online business manager. I was like, uh, can you just design this and then send me a loom and I'll tell you if it's good or not. Cause I, this will take me three days. So that, that one, I would say client onboarding for outsourcing. And then last question, what is the best thing that you've eaten in the last week? Oh my God. Okay. This is going to be so random, but one of my best friends owns a summer camp out in Marble Falls area. And so over the weekend we did like, a, like alumni weekend. So basically adult summer camp. So oh it's not like it's not gourmet, right? No, it's made, here for the memories. We're here for the memories. Here for the me- Thanks for the memories. Okay. Fall out boy. Sorry. We'll put it, but they were, yeah, so we'll great. put, we'll put it in a, we'll put it in an email in the future, but no. So I, and I never went to summer camp as a kid. Mm. Um, so like we're staying in cabins, there's like archery and like all this stuff. I'm like, what, what? It was literally the parent trap in real life. Like we were quote, it was, that was actually how it was. But on Saturday night, they made us peach cobbler, which of Mm. course it's in a fucking huge tray. Yeah. It's just huge. And like blue bunny vanilla ice cream, which is not, that is the cheap vanilla ice cream, but it was so good. Um, so I I would say that like getting to be an adult, but like you can witness everyone's inner child out and playing was so cool. Slash peach cobbler vanilla ice cream and a cup. And it was in the cup. Like when you were a kid. Oh my God. Okay. That, that sounds amazing. I also want to come to adult summer camp with you next time. So it was so fun. I know. Let me know when you go again. I know we're going to, we are really trying to get my friend to do it again. He was like, I don't know if we're going to do it again. We're like, this was the best day of my entire life. Like I missed out on this on a kid as a kid. You, you must, you must. We're also, we're also, and you tell me what you think about this. If you want to also provide data, my friend is an INTJ. He's very analytical. Um, If you're listening to this and you're single, my friend and I have this concept. We have to convince my friend that has the summer camp if we'll do it. We want to do like a singles weekend. 100%. I'm there. I'm done. How much would you pay? How much would you pay to do that? Does it include like lodging, food? Lodging, food, drinks, all of it. 
But you are singing cabins. Too. Happy oh hour, God. the whole bit. Um, how many days? For a weekend. Like, for a weekend. Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Honestly, Half day Sunday. I'd, I'd probably pay like 300 bucks for the weekend. 300. Okay. Okay. This is good to yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a poll out. We'll ask people too. Yeah. But if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, that sounds so fun. I'm single. And maybe it's not even like a dating thing. Like maybe it's just like, I want to make friends in Austin and like maybe yeah. meet dates and it's just a way for you to make friends. Totally. Let me, let me know because my, one of my friends, Amanda and I are considering uh, getting market research on Hinge and Bumble, yes. like creating a profile being like, Hey, we have this concept. We're trying to prove yes. to our friend. Let I us know. It. So, oh, I love you so I'll, always, always be marketing is always, always be marketing. But yeah, if, if you're listening, you're like, Oh my God, do it. Just DM me on Instagram. Um, yes, we'll link and your, I'll, your, we'll link your Instagram. Yeah. Check it out in the show notes. You can also ask me any questions about marketing at any time. Just DM me, but, um, yeah. If that sounds interesting to you, we are currently considering trying to get our, convince our friend. It's me and my friend, Amanda convincing my friend, like, Hey dude, you can make some serious cash doing this. Yes. So, so fine. Okay. Okay. We uh, thank you so much for joining. Duh. I'm <laughs> thank you for so having me. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to have this chat. As we mentioned, we'll obviously link your Instagram, but where can folks find you connect with you? How can they work with you? Yep. Give us all the yep. good stuff. Yeah. So you can find me best place to, to kind of check out what I am, you know, teaching and what I'm about Instagram it's candid collective co. Um, there's going to be lots of content on there. Lots of really great concepts and ideas for your own content. Stick around on Instagram stories. There's lots of cat content. There's lots of Taylor Swift content. There's lots of pickleball content on top of tiny mic sessions. Those happen four times a week, little mini podcast drops. Um, my services guide is also below. If you do have a need for like retainer work or short form content, kind of like emails, like what I'm writing for Morgan, but I also do one-off stuff so I can write website, copy, email sales sequences, email welcome series, or anything else. Um, I also am manifesting right now. If you have a need for some kind of like business memoir or nutritional memoir or something like that, um, I also write books and as a ghostwriter. So just throwing that out there, if you have a need for that, let's talk. Would love to write someone else's book. I'm also writing my own personal memoir, my first one. Um, but yeah, if you if you have any kind of like copywriting or marketing need, I also offer consulting sessions. Basically, if you need my brain on something, whether it's writing or just marketing, check out the services guide or DM me on Instagram. I can do pretty much all of it. So just let me know. Uh, and I also have a podcast called rebels get revenue and, uh, it's mostly, I use it mostly for expansion for other people. So I bring on a lot of interesting guests. Um, Mike Johnson from the bachelorette is going to be on there in a couple of weeks. Um, talking about his new brand, his new sexual wellness brand, but, um, that my podcast is kind of this way of showing, you know, visionaries and introverts that, there is another way to make business through authentic marketing. And we have a lot of really interesting guests. So it's called Rebels Get Revenue. Um, and yeah, I think other than that, that's all the places. DM me anytime if you do have marketing questions. Happy to help. Take a look, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's me. Me and okay. a nutshell. Well, thanks so much, Kendall, for coming on the podcast. So we will talk to you soon. Yay. Thanks for having me, you guys. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Way Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. 
please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight-inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week.